Our modern Western culture places little to no value on the power of our nightly dreams to inspire, shift, and reorganize our lives. This podcast demands a deep reconsideration of the role dreams play on our path to a more vital and meaningful life. The following is living proof of the life-affirming power of dreams to affect change and redirect the trajectory of our inner and outer lives. These are the dreams that shape us. Today we explore dreams that thrust us into our purpose and that continue to guide our journey along. And the way this push by her dreams and waking experiences show itself is as mysterious and spine-tingly as her purpose itself. So join us on this ride as Wendy recounts the dreams and experiences that propelled her into her calling that is out of this world. What you are about to hear may confront what you believe. But regardless of where this confrontation leads you, her dreams are solid. And we welcome you to suspend yourself in the Twilight Zone. Welcome to the Dreams That Shape Us podcast. Today, our guest is Wendy Garrett. She is a radio broadcaster, a podcaster, and a blogger, and uh, many other things too, which we will explore as we uh, get into the interview with her. We, in this podcast, we talk about dreams that shape our lives, that shape who we are and help to give us direction in life. And I wanted to talk with Wendy about her dreams because she has had some extraordinary dreams that have been very influential in shaping her as a person. So, Wendy, Wendy Garrett, thank you for joining us. Um, I appreciate you giving us your time. And um, can you go ahead and tell our listeners um, about you? I just gave a little introduction, but maybe there's more that you can add to that. Oh, I like the introduction. It makes me sound like a triple threat. <laughs> Boy, you are too, man. You just keep counting on the fingers how many threats you've got. Yeah, I'm sure that there's more to the picture. Now, I know from um, when I was on your show, um, you are uh, you host Wendy's Coffee House, um, and which uh, that broadcasts out of Kansas City, Missouri. And you also have Conscious Living, which is your uh, podcast, and. Uh, it goes back many years, so you have uh, uh, hundreds of interviews that you've done, and I have heard a lot of them. I'm a big fan of your show, and I've also been on a few of your shows. And in one of your shows, you um, hinted at this in a recent episode where um, one of your guests mentioned that they had had an encounter with the men in black. And then you made a reference to um, having had a dream about the men in black and how influential it was on you. So can you tell us about the dream? Yeah. Um, and this is one of those that you don't forget because it's so out of the ordinary. Um, and it, it did trigger the end of a relationship. What happened was I was in a pasture and I'm with the person that I consider uh, a boyfriend at the time, 
um, he's over with a group of guys near the edge of the forest, and I see a mountain over there, and I also see stars and looking up at the stars in the sky, but I'm separate, uh, uh, standing away from them. And I, there's something about it where th- there's a distance, and uh, I see across the field this black car starting to drive up through the pasture. And it's a long, you know, like a, a limo. It's uh, driving up through the pasture. It's nondescript. It's just a real boxy kind of a limo. And um, it stops. And three guys get out, three males. And I don't remember the facial features as explicit. I just remember they were all dressed in black. And it was a simple, like a suit. And they come up to me. And I don't remember exactly what started it but i could hear them talking and one said to me we need you to start doing what you agreed to do when you came here and it was very i mean it was like that was it that's all he said and the minute he said that and i seemed to have eye contact uh it but i don't remember seeing his lips move i just to me it was it was an instant knowing of I had to change direction, and I knew when I looked over at the guy standing with his friends in that little circle thinking they're doing so many things that are kind of the macho male bonding thing, and I I don't belong here. I don't belong here, and I don't belong with him. And I knew at that point um, that was a, a cue that this was going to end, and I changed my life in a completely different direction at that point. So, so it was like a warning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the it, for one, you learn you learn through the dream something that you probably already felt inside of yourself, or, or did it? Like, did you know that the relationship was headed towards an end, or was the dream the catalyst that really brought that to your attention? How aware of that were you before the dream? I knew I was on borrowed time. And I didn't know, but there, when you're in certain relationships, you can't just leave <laughs> um, for personal safety reasons. And so there are ways that you have to figure out how to um, basically uh, disassociate, distance, remove, you know, um, and it, it isn't always, it, is, it doesn't always work. It, if it's your idea, it might not work. Okay, and so if the other person has already decided it's over, then it's easier to extricate yourself. All right. Um, And I'm being a little bit vague with this because when we get into relationships that are problematic, I was given the information that this was going to happen. This relationship was on my game card. And so it was important for me to be there. But it was also really a challenge and the biggest challenge that I had had at that point in my life. And I was warned about that too, through dreams and through intuition. And at the same time knowing, okay, (laughs) I'm going to go through and I'll get out somehow, but I don't know. I don't know how it's going. I don't know what the lessons are, but I knew that it, it served a purpose. It was karma. And this little trigger when they pulled up in the dream was it was, this is the time. Everything has come to this point that you can leave and you need to do it. And so, you know, it's like if I delayed any longer, if I tried to make it, you know, somehow easier and uh, less conflictual, then there would be there would be fallout. And as it was, there was enough fallout. But this was the trigger that it was okay. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it does. And what do you think the man, the man in black, when he said it's this is what you've agreed to, the time has come, is it referring to? I mean, you, you've you've hinted already that getting into the relationship was part of a soul plan. Um, and like you said, it's on the game card. Great analogy. Um, but what did he mean by that? Well, part of it was that that was work that I had to do for myself that was important for my personal growth and my interaction. And it was getting into a very difficult relationship where I had to be more um, assertive about my own stuff. And it was going to be challenging to do that. And um, because, you you know, you, you meet an irresistible force, immovable object, whatever it, it was, it was, um, it was, it was the, like I said, the biggest challenge of my life. So doing anything was going to be hard uh, because it forced me to make decisions and take actions that would put me in a vulnerable state and um, not knowing how it was going to come out for any any anyone, if somebody else was going to be hurt or anything like that, uh, I had to make a lot of decisions that were very, um, there's no turning back. And when they said, we need you to start doing what you agreed to do when you came here, it meant there were other things that I could now go forward with and that I had put this on the top because it was my priority. And then what I had agreed to from a different soul plan with a larger scope was now um, in calling for me to step up to that. And that had more to do with my, with the, the things I currently do that are still in a way a challenge for me, but not, not like that, not like the other. And if I, if we were getting the time frame right, um, that dream happened around the time that, at least when I've followed your archives, it looks like 2017 was, uh, uh, that's when I can trace, you know, the, your episodes of Wendy's Coffee House and Conscious Living. Um, so that's one of the ways that you, uh, at least apparently from where I sit, that looks to be one of the changes that came about is, is that you really plowed headlong into podcasting. And anybody who listens to your show knows that you get into, you know, some of these subjects, um, psychic abilities, ESP, um, speaking with um, discarnate entity, entities, uh, people who are experiencers of um, uh, alien contact, uh, extra, you know, like extraterrestrial intelligence. We say alien and we think of little green guys, but boy, some of the people on your show have uh, really shown that this spectrum of experience is much more than just, you know, a UFO landing in the field and you go out and, you know, you get visited by these, you know, creatures. They're they're yeah. talking to these other things that are uh, beings of light. Um, so you can see that in your show. And is that what you, is this at least in part what you're referring to that was what you came here to do? The, the dream yeah. seems to have shown you that you had the strength to be able to leave the relationship and then that also appears to have given you the strength to go on and do other things. Is is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it was it, everybody. Um, we all come in with a certain plan and we follow certain aspects of the plan, but it is dependent upon whether there are others on our, on our game card, 
whether they show up and where they are at their at their point in life. And so sometimes, you know, you try to hurry up and I want to go this, go here and do that. And this is all important because I have this on my time sheet. And so I'm going to do something in 2010. I'll do something in 2014, 2015. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> Basically, you have it there and the time fills itself. And so that's what this was about. I had, you know, I knew these are the things I'm going to do. But there's a, I mean, it's it's night and day difference what I'm doing now. I first started talking and experiencing the the light, this interactive relationship I have with a nightlight, and it's the energy of the nightlight, which is a non-corporeal being. So it's a spirit being, a light being. You can call it different names. For me, the name was non-corporeal because it seemed to fill a blank and it didn't want a name like ET or ghost or guardian. So it's more generic. So with that, uh, I started talking in 1998, 99 about this stuff, but there was no, there was no audience at that point. People, that was really on the beginning of this. It didn't start until maybe, you know, 2005 or 2008, where more people are saying I had this experience, you know, I was inducted, abducted in 2013, or I had a Bigfoot encounter in 2015. And so this kind of stuff is happening to more people across the board. And with the social media that we have now, it's being shared and more people are feeling that maybe they can finally come forward with their experiences and not be ridiculed and ostracized and, you know, maybe possibly lose a job because of it, because it's been such a taboo subject for so long. But um, it's, it's night and day, the difference between my shows now, the, the visibility and the people chiming in versus what happened, at, at, you know, back in the 20 years ago. Gosh, it doesn't seem that long. 25? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so you were, you were waiting for the world to catch up with you in a way. You, and, and the pieces had to fall in place for you to be able to then branch out. So it wasn't like a specific time. It says like, well, in 2017, you're going to go off on this fork in the road. Instead, it was waiting for all of these different things to come together, not only in your own development, but where uh, society was going in its acceptance of the subjects that you wanted to talk about because of your personal experience with them. This dream is amazing. I mean, because A, it helps her get out of what it sounds like is kind of an abusive relationship where she kind of is like, what am I doing in this relationship with these guys, you know? But the thing that really just sends shivers through my body is the fact that this Men in Black character squares up with her and says, you know, get to work. Start doing what you came here to do. And to have a character square up with you and to say that to you feels so chill-worthy to me, where it's like, <laughs> yes. And then to have that character be so perfectly embodied with what it is that she is here to do, you know, because her calling, you know, involves extraterrestrial life. It involves psychic phenomena and altered states and uh, all of these very kind of fringy out there kind of things that the men in black so beautifully and powerfully embody and the men in black are they are like an authority figure you know <laughs> to have them square up with her and be like 
do what you came here to do. You know, get to work. It's time. For me, that kind of dream would leave me gasping when I woke up and just tickle me to no end. And how affirming, right? Because regardless how you feel about any of this, it's clear that her dreams, her soul, want her to go this path. Um, I, Wendy, I think the talking with nightlights, I think that requires a little explanation. Um, before listeners to get them up to speed, you've written a book uh, called Talking Talking To, Talking With Nightlights. Um, and it was about your experience when you found that um, what was going on inside of you internally was being reflected in this nightlight that would flicker. And you used it as kind of a guide to say, okay, well, am I going here in my thoughts? And the nightlight would flicker and you go, okay, yeah, maybe I should go this way and explore this. Or you could ask the question the other way, should I go here and the nightlight doesn't respond? And it's almost like tapping on a table to say, well, no, that's not what I mean. And so you were using these subtle clues that were being given to you with this sense that you were actually connecting to you call it a discarnate entity, uh, something that was um, tr wanting to communicate with you. Do you think that was also part of your plan, this uh, game card that you had, uh, this plan that you made before coming into this life about what you were going to experience? I think it's part of it. Otherwise, I would have felt more intimidated and maybe backed off from it. There's one dream that I had, and this isn't a dream, but it's a you know one of those experiences that we can classify a dream. Uh, I remembered going back to the circle of one. And this is what's so funny about it. I get into the circle in the dream and I'm talking with these people who are around me and we all have our angel books. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I have all the answers. This is brilliant. I can go back. I know what I'm doing. I know what I did, why I planned it and how it's supposed to work. And as I leave the circle, I go through this it's like a gray cloud, foggy area cloud. And I know I'm, I'm falling through the cloud and my hand gets stuck with the book above the cloud. And I'm so frustrated. I'm like, I can't do this without knowing. This is so unfair because I know as soon as I let go of that book, come back through the cloud into my body, that I will forget everything. And so I'm just so annoyed because I was in the circle. But what I was allowed to remember was that I had returned to the circle of one from which we all come from. And that was my way of remembering it, was to making a kind of a little poem. And uh, it, so since, you know, and that's been years ago, but remembering that angel book and knowing that I had a plan <laughs> and it made sense on that other plane, um, those are the kinds of dreams that I have. But they're much more of a, a returning to that other dimension where we are planning things. We're on a higher plane. We know things are happening. And some people have to have a near-death experience for that, or they have to do some really different kind of drugs. Um, that has never been anything that I've had to do. And so I think in a way that for me is, I, I feel fortunate that I don't have to do some kind of an altered substance, you know, or a psychedelic, whatever it is, psychotropic drug, like Terrence McKenna and Timothy Leary and, you know, some people now who are doing the ayahuasca thing to be able to make these connections because I've been able to detach enough. And, you know, from the time I was little having out-of-body experiences, but not having anybody to really bounce those things off of. So when this nightlight thing happened and the energy was here to give me 
instruction. I mean, I got instructions that that uh, Tutankhamun was poisoned, and you know, before that came out, I got instructions on math that I didn't have any idea of how it worked. But then later, the Bose-Einstein condensate information came out. And I'm thinking, you know, whatever this is that's giving me this information, whether it's my higher self or another source, I believe we're all connected. And at consciousness at that level, when we want information, it is accessible. But we have to get rid of all the flotsam and jetsam that's usually traveling around in our brain, in our mind, to be able to get a clear space and, and do that. And some people do it with drugs. But that part I've been able to, through meditation and through that shift, when that happened in 1997, that changed my life. So that required me to go a different direction from the outset. But that problematic relationship was still on the game card. It was still going to happen. I just figure I had a little ammo ahead of time to kind of go, it, it's okay. And that was that was my my security blanket, knowing that we are never alone, ever. We're never alone. We always have that that source, that other element that is with us. It's not going to save us, but it can give us insight and potential instructions for safety when we're ready and when we need it. Does that make sense? It does. And it sounds like the, the, the dreams were the beginning of it, but then you pursued it into your waking life. You got a hint of it or you got you kind of said, OK, well, here's the plan. My, you know, I'm up here in the clouds. You know, I see the book of my life. Uh, I've got these other beings who are with me who are obviously part of the planning. You know, I know I can go back into my body and they're going to be with me. So now I can pursue this in a conscious sort of way. And you mentioned like meditation and developing some of your other gifts. Is it fair to say that the dreams made you aware of it and then you did the conscious work to? develop it? It works both ways because you have to, um, from the time I was young, I had had different kinds of uh, abilities that I didn't really pay much attention to. In college, I would open the door to the room. I'd have the key in the door and I'd know what card was on the bottom of the deck. And I thought, okay, this is great. And it basically was disassociating and distancing. And there's, there's a actually... I had just seen a movie recently where they're working with children who put on blindfolds yeah. and they their awareness and then they know they can read the book or they can see the card, they can see the color and adults can do this too. It's training that we're not used to, but I had, I think other people, you know, at some point we have these abilities, we just tune them out because they're not functional in, in uh, nine to five. And uh, sometimes that, that it, I think it preempts us in getting in touch with our own divinity, our own insight. Uh, so, so anyway, back then, uh, when I was practicing that card, one thing that made me stop for a bit was that I came in and my roommate, we were talking about ghosts and she said, and she's sitting on the bed by the window and she's saying, I don't believe in ghosts and the curtains, and this is a dorm room floor level, uh, ground level. The curtains go straight up behind her. They're straight up like a wind come in the room. And she's, I do believe in ghosts. I do believe in ghosts. And so we stopped that. And I thought, you know, maybe the, you know, working with my, my other abilities here is not helpful at this moment. So I shut it down for a bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just like a cowardly lion. Immediately, she was like, oh, I do believe in ghosts. And the curtains dropped. But it was okay. But that, you know, that was one of those little things where, 
it's all around us. We we don't have to go anywhere. We don't. Th- th- there's another dimension, and multiple dimensions that are that are basically overlays on top of where we are. And you can either touch them in some way physically, as they as a door opens up, or you can get into it metaphysically, without the body, and be aware of it. But that's what people try to do when they do the out of body experiences and the astral travel. That's what they're doing. They're trying to connect with these other dimensions. Which uh, dreams can be a um, a, a, a portal to that because uh, yeah. you're disassociating from the body when you go to sleep. Just the very fact that you go to sleep and your mind gets away from the senses of the body, it's your kind of your first taste of being disassociated from the body. And then from there, you could think of it as a spectrum where you could be, say, in a lucid dream where you've now gone into sort of a subjective reality out of the body. And then you could go into, say, an astral, which is more of an objective state outside of the body where you can actually you're dreaming in a sense, but you're also able to interact with your physical environment or at least to be able to observe it. Um, and then I know that it keeps going. You can go into the ethereal but it's beginning with that dream state where you you learn. It's it, 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 Wendy for you. Has it been like um, a training ground, like a practice space for you it, that you learn it in the dream or practice it in the dream state, and then you find that you can do other things through, say, meditation or uh, uh, other ways of getting out of body. But it begins as sort of a practice space. I, I ask you this because uh, I, this is what I've a lot of people have said to me is, is that their dreams began as that place where they learned about this stuff. And then they found that they didn't have to be dreaming in order to do it. Right. Um, part of it is, and it's always been, it's like a wave. You experience something on the physical plane and then you go into the dream state and see if you can shift it. If you can shift it in the dream state, you can shift it on the physical plane. But they both work together. You have to be able to know that, okay, I'm having a problem here. I'm going to go into the dream and see if I can adjust myself, my thinking, my status, whatever it is. I can, if I can lift this up in the dream state. And if I can clear it in the dream state, then I can clear it in the manifest plane. And so I, it goes to, you know, so that's what it looks like. I'm, um, it, it has more to do with my mindset. If I still have an issue with something in the dream state, I know that my mind, my mental state is blocking it. But if I can go into the dream state and clear the slate, whatever it is, the problematic relationship, then I know, okay, I've done this on this higher plane. Now I need to bring it through and follow through with my actions on the physical plane to help clear it. And sometimes it takes, you know, two or three. But once you've cleared it in that and you're aware of clearing it on the dream state, then you know things are moving forward. And that's when the men in black, they gave me that indication. The path is clear. And so the word was, without telling me anything else, we need you to do what you agreed to do, start doing what you agreed to do when you came here. And so that was a very clear uh, suggestion. Given, um, given by who? Uh, who are they? Uh, is this something coming from outside of you, or is it a projection of something inside of you? Is it a dream character? What are they? Well, I, I've seen dream. I've seen the men in black, and I call them the watchers. Um, I've I've seen them in in the physical, and that was a it was a actual shift uh, and um, alternate reality. Basically, I was given a telepathic hint 
to not telegraph what I was experiencing. In other words, don't tell other people what's going on because it would stick me in that timeline. This is where you go into an altered state, a different dimension, and it can happen at the flick of, and you just snap your fingers and you're there. Now, I didn't believe in this until it happened. So, you know, I don't, I don't, um, I'm not worried if you don't believe or, you know, you're not quite on on the same playing field with this, but that's okay because everybody has to experience their own way. But in, uh, this was 2009 and uh, going through a ton and ton of changes at that point. When life is chaotic, a lot, a lot of times you can shift things faster and easier because there's no set point. Nothing is set in stone. You haven't done any kind of mental um, math to keep it in one state. So there's so much opportunity to just switch directions. So here it is. Uh, I'm told don't telegraph. Andy, my husband and I, we leave the house and every car on the road that day is in white, silver, black, gray, no colors, no reds, no greens, no yellows, no rust, no colors on any of the cars. And so that's my clue. Now there's no drugs. This is me being told that I'm going to experience an altered state. And so we go out and across the metro area where I am in Kansas City, there are no cars of any sort that have colors. And I knew, okay, this is time shift. Now, what I was also given at that time was that I could turn as long as I had a white car. If there was a black car, I needed to stop and look both directions. Now, where it's coming from, I don't know. I do know that the test is, well, I follow instructions. Okay, now part of this during this time period, on a different day, I'm told to go from point A to point B. And this is, this is like in a, maybe a three months. Uh, and which is interestingly enough, from March through May, <laughs> um, the time of year. Anyway, uh, so I am going a different direction that I'm not used to uh, traveling a circuit I don't usually travel and I decide well I'll take a shortcut and again these cars I'm supposed to be able to pay attention and and still following that black and white I decide to take a shortcut and I go into a parking area that happens to be for a, a apartment complex but there's only one way in and one way out so it's not a shortcut as I drive around I drive around a pond and I look over the pond and the geese are forming a question mark. These are synchronized swimming geese. Now, I don't know about your reality. That isn't normal in my reality. And my husband says to me, as he's watching the geese form a question mark, I guess they wonder why you took the shortcut too. <laughs> now, my excuse, I said, if I had not done that, we would not have seen that. They wouldn't have had to check me. But it also clued into whatever was giving me the instruction that I might not be one to follow orders just lock, stock, and barrel, okay? I might be a little problem if they wanted to just tell me to do something and expect me to perform. So that was a test two different ways. Me testing that to see am I getting, you know, are you watching? <laughs> yep, they are. <laughs> and, um, and that if it, we were needing to see if I would be, you know, an, uh, a follower who, who questioned nothing, nope, I, I was not going to follow along unless I had some kind of indication there was something that was in my best interest or in the best interest of the people that I am around. And that, but those kinds of things, that's not a dream. The information comes in a dream that things are going to be chaotic, 
Um, you know, things might be a little unpredictable, but there is a source here who is able to help us or to guide us or to protect, depending on the circumstances, that, um, that, is, that we can rely on if we are tuned in, included in. Right now, huge, huge, huge message is to get in touch with your own telepathy, your own intuition, your ability to read other people, other situations. That's what this is about. So that's the message that you're getting for 2021. This is a, a part of what we're learning. We're getting in touch with ourselves. We're learning about our it, inner voices. Yeah, it has been coming on for, for quite some time. But to be able to see the results quicker in what you're doing and what your actions are producing, that's what's happening now. Our thoughts and our intentions are manifesting. Um, just that's what's happening at the moment. We're seeing things a lot more, um, I guess, concrete of what we have put out. And that information comes back to us in a way that's physical that we can see, well, I was really, really frustrated with this. I'm still frustrated. And so I'm having all sorts of issues. Things are breaking down. Things are falling apart. I'm having, you know, arguments. And it's because my own frustration is putting me in that energy space. Uh, yeah. And so the world is responding to you based on the energy that you're giving off. It's coming from internally, but it's being reflected externally. And this is right. one of the things that I teach people to look for with, are they on track with their dream life and understanding their dreams and their messages correctly? Well, one of the ways to tell is how the outer world responds to you, because it's going to reflect back that energy to you, your internal state. You know, I was listening to your latest um, on Wendy's Coffee House. I was listening to it last night and I got an idea. I was like, wait, she just said something. It reminds me of Michael Talbot, who wrote um, uh, The Holographic Universe. So I go and I'm like, I, I search for it real quick. And I find that there's this interview from um, Jeffrey Mishlove's show, Thinking Aloud, where it's the extended interview that Jeffrey did. And first, he, you know, he, he, he had talked with um, Michael about his book and the the research you put into it. And it's a very straightforward interview. It's about the science behind the, the holographic model of the universe the, coming up from people like David Bohm and the quantum physicists and stuff. I hadn't seen the second half of the interview where he talks to Michael about his personal experiences of having, you know, poltergeist encounters, um, UFO encounters, things like this that started from a young age and impelled him to try to find answers for the things that he was experiencing. And here's what he said. He said that it's all being manifested from within him, that when these paranormal experiences happened to him, he realized that they were all somehow reflections of his psychological state. Even when he had like poltergeist encounters, he realized that he was the source of it, which of course, that's what made me think of when you said that your roommate, you know, she's saying, oh, I don't believe in ghosts. And then the curtains do their thing. And it's like, oh yeah, you don't believe in ghosts. Well, you know, was that, it was like the world was responding. It knew what was happening in that conversation. It knew what was happening internally inside of you too. And so then it responded to you by giving you a sign. The one time that this has happened to me, I was standing outside of my parents' house when I was in college, uh, real late at night, probably one o'clock in the morning, with a friend or two of mine, and we were talking like real heavy life stuff, like wondering about if there's a God, if 
you know, how big the universe is and all these like kind of mind-bending things at a time before I really had dove into much of any of it. And it was getting real intense. And as we're talking, all of a sudden, the power box on the top of the telephone pole right on the corner of our property just explodes into fire. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It just literally blew up. And we were just all rocked to the and just like chilled to the bone because it was like we were getting so like deep and thick into questioning, you know, if there was something greater to life. And all of a sudden it was like a sign from God that like just was like, oh, there's a lot of stuff going on that you have no clue about. <laughs> and you are so much bigger and so much smaller than you know. And bam! You know, just rocked us right through our body. Like, you could feel the whole explosion through your body. It was just so intense. And it sounds yeah. to me like, Wendy, like you get a lot of signs to follow. That it's not, you know, it's not like, um, you know, the voice comes through the clouds and says, Wendy Garrett, thou shalt do this next. Instead, it says, here's an opportunity for you. I'm going to give you a sign to show you that I'm here. And now I'm going to leave this up to you to decide to go about doing it your own unique and personal way. And is that, right. has that been, that has been your experience too. Yeah. 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 I'll give you an example. This is, this was a dream and this is before I went into that problematic relationship the night before um, I had a dream where I went into a little office space, like a tiny office, you know, one room, whatever, maybe a massage therapist or something, that kind of a setup. And behind the desk is a man all in white. I mean, completely chalk white being. And I consider it now as like an ET type thing. But it, there was, I wasn't supposed to attach anything to that being, except that this was an anomaly and it was important to pay attention. And he asked what number I was. And I said, well, and I'm speaking in a child's voice saying I'm a fui. Okay. <laughs> and he says, no, you're a seven. Oh, so he's telling me my number. And my number at seven relates all across the board. But the thing about that in the dream, I'm still a child. I'm still learning. And he shows me and I see this whole page of symbols, symbols I don't recognize. They're foreign. But there's a, a page just, you know, of all these symbols across this page. The next day with my girlfriend, I'm in the car. I see this page of symbols between us. And I said, what the heck? What is, what is this? Well, my son drew this at school today. This was his assignment. So that page is in the car. She took me to meet this person. And I knew from that moment, I thought, oh, darn. <laughs> so you see it in your Fine. dream and then the boy darn. had drawn it, like the same symbols you saw in your dream. Then you yeah, know, there, and now you're awake in the car and wow. Yeah, this, this funky, funky symbol page. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's what I saw. I saw these weird symbols. And I don't remember what the symbols were. I mean, it'd be like looking at hieroglyphics. Okay, it was something he was practicing. And that was this, these type of hieroglyphic symbols that filled the page. And so when I saw that, I knew that was code. It was a cue. It was a programming element to tell me this is coming. This is here. This is the moment. And so when I met the person within minutes, we went into the restaurant and there the person was, I knew that was the challenge. And I'm thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get through it. <laughs> and this is the person you ended up in the relationship with. And then right. you got the message from the men in black that it was time to move on from it. 
So it began right. with a it began with a dream and it ended with a dream. Yes. Wow. Yes. Bookmarks on them. This reminds me of yeah. um, Linda Moulton Howell, um, uh, journalist who explores a lot of uh, ET, you know, related subjects. Um, had spoken with one of the people who were in the Rendlesham Forest, uh, the famous 1980 UFO uh, series of encounters off of the uh, military base, American military base. Um, in Rendlesham Forest in England. He was one of the um, soldiers who went out to investigate the lights that were out there, and then they encountered a craft. He was one of the people who actually touched the craft. Years mm -hmm. later, he was waking up in the middle of the night and writing down these symbols and hieroglyphs and stuff that they saw written on the metal of this it was, it was almost like a, a small UFO drone ex explorer type of thing. He was getting up in the middle of the night, no memory of doing it, and writing down pages and pages of these symbols. And when I yeah. saw the, like a little, like a photograph or a screenshot of these symbols, and it was just all these, you know, looked like a Egyptian writing, but an entire, like, pages of it. He said uh -huh. he had yeah. no knowledge, no knowledge of what it was. Uh, and it, apparently it's some kind of um, mathematical code. Uh, Lindy mm -hmm. took it to someone, an expert who could start to look at it, and, and the expert said, "Well, it looks like it's some kind of code." Have you experienced that? Where these that kind of stuff? I mean, you saw the page in the dream that had all these symbols on it. Have you been able to make sense of that? Like, are you decoding the symbols? Part of it is that we is so linear. I mean, we expect this to add up: one, two, three, four. It's one, six, eight, twelve, eighteen, twenty-eight. It, it, we we are linear, but we're working in a multi-dimensional framework. And so, if I the, the common theme and the popular theme is quantum, but it would be like if you've seen the, the game that Spock plays chess, where the boards are stacked on top of each other in Star Trek, and they play like, okay, this is what we're playing with. We're playing with these multiple. Any time, any time, we're playing with multiple dimensions. We don't always pay attention to that. And we have not been taught or trained, most of us, to deal with life in that way. But there's always a wild card. There's always a get-out-of-jail-free card. There's always something else that if we expand our awareness, there's a door that will lead us to a higher level of thinking, a higher plane of eventuality, not reality. But eventuality. So, in other words, there's always a way out. It's just whether or not we are able to program ourselves to see the cue, the sign, the symbol, the color, the design, the person that is our exit. And that, to me, and that's the best way I can explain it because it is not linear. It is a way of looking at reality from multiple levels and giving yourself permission not to be a square peg in a round hole. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think that the, um, you know, we've spoken a little bit about, because uh, uh, last year I was on your show and we talked a little bit about the, the lockdown, you know, and everybody's now um, disengaged. Not everybody, but a lot of people then were kind of disengaged from that busy, busy, busy nine to five life. And now they're looking internally there, or at least they have more opportunity for it. They have more time at home, more time to themselves. Because they're not running off to work and they're not running to the grocery store, you know, uh, uh, running off to kids' soccer practice and stuff like that. Do you think that this um, event in our timeline was at least in part so that we would have 
the opportunity to get ready for what's coming next? I Yeah, I do. But I also think it's uh, a little bit too optimistic to think people are going to use this to their best advantage. Because what happens is when you have a mindset of things are supposed to go a certain way, there's a security and a comfort of being able to plan on all the old things that we used to do that drew us together or pulled us apart, uh, all the things, all the patterns that we expected to continue in, you know, repeat, 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 repeat. Well, some people can't deal with that because they don't know how to self, um, basically, they're not self-starters. Okay, so if this time for them is challenging, it's because they feel claustrophobic. They feel, I don't have anything to do. I don't know who have anybody to talk to. I don't have anywhere to go. So they're more likely to fall into a negative pattern of trying to fill the space with something that will help them disassociate from the fact that they're lonely or that they don't have anything to do. Um, but for others, it has been an accelerated time of, okay, now I have permission to self-create, to self-initiate, to self-engage, to jump up to that next level because nobody's getting in my way. I don't have the same responsibility, accountability, um, demands on my time to be uh, basically a lockstep, a lockstepper where everything A, B, C, D, E, F, G, nothing deviates. Everything's the same over and over and over and over. Well, for people who aren't comfortable with that, this is really, really a crisis. And that's why you're seeing so many mental health issues and so many, you know, they're saying people are gaining weight during lockdown um, or they're also rebelling. And it's because of the, the frustration, the challenge of being given too much free time and not knowing what to do with it instead of saying, whoa, this is fun. <laughs> yeah, an opportunity to you do know. things that you hadn't had time to do and to be self-directed in ways that instead of having to constantly respond to these external things coming at you, instead you can be self-directed more in ways to say, well, I'd like to go off in this direction or that direction. I'd like to have this time for me. And so there, there uh, some people, at least, seem to have been using this time for their enrichment and development and go and learning new things. And then there's other people, like you said, who are, they're used to kind of walking in that lockstep and they, um, it's a very trying time for them because they're not being externally directed anymore. And I just want to add to this conversation to say that 2020 was very traumatic for a lot of people. And I think the two of them are speaking more so to people who are financially stable still and don't know how to use this time appropriately, and not so much people who have nothing and just lost everything. Because if you just lost everything and you're in straight survival mode, you're not going to be creatively productive. Because you can't be. You're in survival mode. You're in fight or flight. You're in trauma response. So if that's your situation, your case, you know, please give yourself the permission to take care of yourself and to not feel like just because you have this time that you have to get things done or you have to change directions in your life or you have to do anything but survive. Take care of yourselves and know that your experience is valid and that what you're going through and having to face is valid. And it seems, Wendy, that we could kind of sum this up as saying that um, what your dreams have been doing is helping you to become more internally directed so that it manifests in your life, in your external world. But it began, or at least part of the process was for you to get 
to listen to what those voices are really saying to you. And apparently they also needed to talk to you in, in maybe more forceful language. Would that be a way of saying it? Like, you know, making themselves aware to you that there was this whole other reality that you could now be part of, but it was still <laughs> your choice. And so that self-directed part of it is very important because you can get the signs, you can get the opportunities, but it's then up to you to then walk that path and decide whether it's right for you. Is that fair to say? It's always free will. You you are always you can always say no. And that's I want to go back. There's no judgment if you are frustrated by this time being cooped up and not having anything to do. That's not a bad thing. It means that's where you are. Deal with it. If you're feeling free and liberated, that's great. Deal with it. But don't expect everybody else to follow your pattern. Just know that whatever you're doing right now in this moment, if you need to reconnect with your dreams, wonderful. If you need to hear it from an outside source, that source will appear to you, whether it's a bumper sticker or a billboard or somebody coming up to you and cutting in front of the line with wearing the t-shirt that you need to see the back of at that moment. These things are us creating our reality in the way that we are learning to look outside the norm, the typical um, the you know the things that we've always considered as signposts, guideposts, and that's closer to home. It isn't on the five o'clock news. It isn't on, you know, in your message in the morning on the AM radio. It's in front of you, right outside your door. And this is what the dreams help us do, is to bring it home and say, okay, what do I remember? And if you don't remember your dreams, you'll get it in another form. And to learn that the reality that you're creating in your external life is very much like the way that a dream unfolds. It's a co-creative process. The, the dream isn't determined from beginning to end, you know, written by, you know, the great author in the sky. Instead, there's kind of an outline that's created for you, which is your circumstance. The, you know, you walk into the dream and then you start creating it by interacting with it. And like you said, like the, the person who comes into you, you know, they cut in line and they've got that message on the back of the t-shirt that seems to resonate with what you're experiencing internally. You've helped to co-create that situation by being there in the first place, but two, also by noticing what's being told to you. And this is very similar to the way that we walk through a dream. We're realizing that we are co-creating the reality of the dream by kind of following along from scene to scene and the way that we react and interact with it. And it sounds like what you're saying is, is that our external lives work much the same way. It depends on how we react and interact with our world. And there's more dimensions than we normally associate with. And this is a time that those things are going to be more obvious. I didn't ask to hear Bigfoot or to see Bigfoot. I didn't ask to see fairies. I didn't ask to have information, you know, on a daily basis from E.T. or Men in Black or whatever it was that told me to go on that little circuitous route where I took the shortcut. I did not know that those were going to be on my game card, but they were. And my response determines what the next level of play is. I'm curious. I want to know more. So I'm going to keep asking questions and find other people who've had these experiences to say, what was it like for you? Where do we go from here? Isn't this fun? That's me. Hey, well, how do you determine that, Wendy? When something, when that person, you know, cuts in front of you in line and they're wearing that T-shirt and it, you know, you, you're like, oh, that's an interesting thing they got on their shirt and now you're paying attention. Like these sorts of, they're, they're like metaphors and 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 the world around us is being presented to us in symbolic form that there's these these messages in the symbols the same way that dream symbols have information embedded in them is there a discerning process because i think that people who follow that kind of more rational linear linear way of thinking they they want to know 
that they're not going off the deep end and seeing things in events and situations that aren't actually there. How do you know when you are being spoken to through these events that happen and circumstances in your life? Part of it is it's like cooking, all right? You can't do anything when the pot is not boiling. (laughs) And you can't stand around and wait for the pot to boil. You go about your day. You go about your plan and say, how does this relate? And then you see if something else validates it. So if there's another symbol that validates what I saw on the back of the shirt, you know, men in black on the back of the shirt, I go out into the black limo. And then there's a guy who walks across the street in a fedora. Okay, there's a message. There's something I need to pay attention to. So the guy cut in front of me. It may not be a time for me to get the attention I want because there's something, an obstacle in my way. So I need to be patient because that move will happen. Obviously, the guy isn't going to be there forever in my way in line. Okay, but the metaphor was the men in black on the back of the T-shirt. And then the corroboration, the validation was the black vehicle outside the store. And then the triple was the guy across the street in the black fedora. So it tells me, all right, message incoming. Pay attention. Slow down. And they often come in threes. For me, yes. Now, other people may have a different number. For me, it's a three. And that's why I said, I'm a number three. Yeah, no, I was thinking aesthetic. of that. You were the, in the dream. You said, I'm a three. <laughs> and he says, no, it's a seven. Uh-huh. Like, oh, boy, we're going to a higher level now, aren't we? Here's, we're going to well, Maybe higher. <laughs> maybe maybe higher if you're going that direction. I would rather be, you know, one and be done. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I got seven, okay? So it's like crud. Oh. All right. <laughs> wow. Um, at, at one point, they threw me out of my body. I went to a hypnotherapist, and I was told I was going to be reconnecting with my my own in intuition, that kind of thing. So I went to a shaman. And um, uh, the thing was that I took my girlfriend because I wanted to be completely free and not have to worry about anything funky going on. So she's beside me. And at one point, then the guys throw me out of my body. And I'm up far away enough to see that whatever it was that is me is like an egg on the couch down below. And it's just all that, the, everything is completely solid, a beautiful fluid black, except for this color. And at that point, I realized I'm the only one who exists in this reality. Everything else is a fabrication or a manifestation or a reflection or an imprint, something that's outside of me. And that is me. And at that point, they gave me my seven blocks, the things that I'm working on in this lifetime. And this is with the guides. Now, whether the guides are a reflection, a part of me, I really don't care. (laughs) I work with the information they give me. And I'm not at the level to say, I know who these all these beings are i don't not a clue i just know that for me they exist and i work with them and that's how that one element was throwing me out of my body to say there's more here let's let's work with this and it takes a while to reconcile this because when that happens like oh my gosh it was that easy they just threw me out i can't do that as easily i can't just you know step out immediately some people can't I can't. And so that was a another, you know, a welcome home. You are working on a different playing field and we can help you out. So we're going to give you a jump start. And that happened. So so this is the kind of stuff for me is real. But I haven't been able to talk about it as freely with the same kind of responses until maybe the last five years. Yeah. So if so if we different. went back to 2009, it sounds like you weren't ready or the world wasn't ready or both. 
No, that that um, that particular incident happened in 1998, and that was the beginning of this uh, reformatting the hard drive to channel and do what I what I do. Um, so yeah, the world wasn't ready. The world, and that's fine. But that's why you know the guy gets in front of you in line instead of saying, "You jerk," blah blah blah. Is saying, "Okay, what's the message? What's the message?" And it could be, "Get out of the store." <laughs> it could be, "Get out of the store." <laughs> This is not your store, <laughs> you know, and that's the thing you have to know at the time. Okay. Instead of projecting somebody else is trying to do, most people don't have a clue what you're up to and they don't, they're not targeting you. You're just there as part of their reality too. And we tend to think, Oh, somebody stepped on my toe. Some car cut me off. Somebody, they did it to me. No, 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 no. They just did it. That, that's their thing. So stop bringing their stuff on your turf and say, okay, clear a path clear path. And if somebody cuts in front of me, I need to pay attention. What else is going on here? I need to take a left turn because there's an accident up there and they're sitting in traffic for two hours. But instead of me yelling at the person cutting me off, you know, blah, 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 and getting in traffic for two hours, what am I paying attention to? It's that simple and that hard. And and they've really done you a favor in a way by cutting you off and having you go off in a different direction because, you know, you didn't need to be stuck in that traffic jam for the next two hours. You had places to be. And so you're following the, the you're following the sign and, and allowing it to unfold to you in a way that um, you, you see that it's, it's, it's not, it's not there to, to harm you or hurt you or frustrate you if you react that way, then that's, you know, that's what you've done, but that's not the purpose of it being put into your path. Uh, and this is much the same way that we work with our dreams. This is that we're looking for the ways, even with like a nightmare or a dark dream, is you're looking for the thing in it that you can take from it that is good for you. You know, the, even if it's some hard medicine to swallow, there's still something good for you that's going to come out of that experience that then you can take and apply. So this, it sounds yes. like that you've taken yes. this, Wendy, and, and now you're on the next level with it. You're not just in, in the dream learning this. You're seeing the ways that life is teaching you the same lessons, very similar to the ways that your dreams do. But it comes down to how you're, what your response is to it, how you react. You're, when you mentioned the dark dream or something like that, um, there's, there's, it's like, okay, what is my fear? I woke up maybe three or four weeks ago, anxiety. I'm like, what the heck? My heart is racing. I'm anxious. I'm, uh, I don't even remember it. There's nothing in the dream that, that, that made sense with that energy. What the heck is going on? So I get online. What's my mom doing? Absolutely freaking out about some goofy little thing. Of course, it's important to her. I'm going to say goofy little thing. Okay, mom, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> well, her pipes were frozen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> so I'm making fun, but that's, but it wasn't mine. It wasn't mine. And so that's part of this. When we're connected like that, there are other little wild cards that are going to factor in. That's why I say it's multidimensional. It isn't always linear. It's, it's a we thing instead of a me thing. And that's what I had to go with. Why am I, my heart, I'm serious. My heart was absolutely off the charts. I'm thinking, and there's nothing in my dream that I was dreaming that made that make sense. But my mom had emailed me earlier trying to get in touch that I didn't see it until later, you know, like instead of seven, I saw it at 10 or nine because I work. And so that was the thing. I had to go back and connect the dots knowing that wasn't my energy. It wasn't my trauma. It wasn't my stress. It was hers. But boy, it was loud front and center for me. Wow. Yeah. Those things just, happen too. 
you've just answered another, you just, the question that I had previously, you've just given another layer to the answer, um, which is that by knowing your usual pattern of thoughts and feelings and dreaming responses to things, that when something's coming to you from the outside, you can tell, you can, you can help to discern it by what you're feeling that's not in your usual pattern. You right. don't usually wake up with your heart pounding and feeling anxious and you look at the dream, what you were just dreaming, and you go, well, there wasn't anything that I can remember that would make me feel this way. And then that's when you realize that it's coming from outside of you. But it was that self-awareness, Wendy, that was the beginning of it for you? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's knowing that, okay, this doesn't make sense. I don't usually have stress dreams for one thing, but I will tell you, if you have a stress dream, here's one that works. This is like a milk of magnesia room, a padded cell. I'm in here. I see a faucet. The only thing that this faucet has is more of this marshmallow cream stuff. And it's all pink like Pepto-Bismol. And I'm thinking, what the hell? I know I put in a, I've been put in a confined space. I don't like that, but I'm not going to fight it. And so I say, fine, if that's what you want to do, peachy it dissolved so instead of fighting it in the dream i said okay if this is what you want to work with i'm 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 just fine i don't have i got nothing and it went away so stress dreams are about pushing your buttons what is it that you are about are you a fighter and if you fight you'll stay in the dream does that make sense yeah it does and if you can sort of be be more like water. Let's quote Bruce Lee. Yeah. Be like water. You can adapt yourself to the situation in a way that you can flow around it or allow it to flow around you. And now it just dissolves. And whatever that obstacle was, whatever that thorny feeling or emotion you were experiencing, it just goes away. Have it was you? a test. Yeah, it was it was a test. And the test was that that wasn't my reality. I don't understand what this is about. I don't understand why I need to see a pink Pepto-Bismol fatted cell. This isn't my reality. So fine. If this is what you want to do, feel free. But I'm done. And that was it. That was all it was, was a, as a way of, of me seeing if I fight it, if I project myself into it, and I take it on, it becomes mine. But if I say, this isn't, this isn't mine, it doesn't belong to me, it goes away. Are you helping other but you people have, now with that? Like, this is something I've heard from shamanic practitioners. This is that they learn these lessons in their dreams and in their life, and then they find themselves dreaming in other people's dreams where they are encountering these obstacles, and they help them to realize what it is that they're that's really happening in the dream state. Is that happening for, with you now, where you're helping other people get past these obstacles? Um, you know, I've had people say that I've appeared. I don't know that that's actually me. I think that's a projection that somebody needs to see that relates to whatever they're going through at the time. Um, and if it is me, it's another part of me that isn't in this particular physical um, hurdle. <laughs> Side, sidecar. Um, you know, so what what I believe is that we help each other at all times. And I have encountered people in my dreams that I know are are aware of me. Um, but that isn't something I do on a regular basis or that I'm conscious of on a regular basis. Um, I, I mean, at one point I've gone into the dream plane to help somebody and called that person with information they needed. And they asked me how I knew 
who this person was and, and why, you know, I called because I knew I needed to make the phone call. And the person had a pers- it was a, a person that I saw dressed in a particular way that applied to this other person. I'm not going to say who it is or what it is because it's, it's a proprietary. Okay. okay. Um, but, but it made sense. And they were just astounded because they had so many students who never called them on it. Well, they're on a different playing field. I, I was neutral. I'm Switzerland. I'm not, I, I wasn't going to come in as a student or a teacher. I was coming as a wild card saying, this is information you need. Get back on the path. So you saw in the dream and then you actually called the person like yes, based on the information was, you got? I identified their spirit guide because of the, 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 the article, the pieces of fabric clothing the person was wearing and the person, the, the, vis, the physical appearance of that person in the dream. I w- I, that was their spirit guide. I didn't know that. I just knew that there was a message that was very important and it needed to go there. And so I just called, hey, does this make sense to you? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And th- but they weren't listening. So it had to come through a, a, um, and basically somebody who's objective. There was no judgment. There was just, hey, this is, this is something that it feels, you know, is this, does this make sense to you? And then that's it. That's it. And you go, you go on. Wow. Wendy, that, that is fascinating. Um, thank you for sharing this, uh, your, your insights and your experience with us. Um, it's, it's been very instructive. And I think that our listeners are going to get a lot that they can take to their own lives, not just their dream lives. Um, and people who maybe are looking for validation that they're having these experiences and that others are having them too. Um, that they're being spoken to and it seems to be through signs. Well, there's a lot of people in mental institutions who think they're being spoken to the same way. And, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's easy when that happens to you to think, uh, am I, is there something that's misfiring here? Am I, am I making myself believe things that aren't true? Um, I think it's important for us to know, to have our experience of this and to, to know that, um, that, that, that this is the way that the universe can speak to us and that there's this sort of oneness to it all and this interconnection between all of us and not just conscious beings, but the, everything, you know, the, the birds, the plants, the t-shirt, you know, like it's all part yeah, of this yeah. bigger yeah. thing that we can't understand from inside of the box. But once we get outside of the box, we start understanding more about it. So thank you for sharing that with us. And I would like, before we sign off, can you tell people how to find you? You can find me, wendyscoffeehouse.com. It goes to a blog spot site. There's also another blog that is linked to that, and that's Conscious Living in Wendy's Coffee House. That's on WordPress. So, if you know, check that out. And I mean, there's one last thing. Whatever message you get, there is one big clue that it's from a light or higher version. Do no harm. That's one one rule always do no harm do no harm yeah and i've heard that uh uh, from other people who've experienced the same things and i i think i also try to follow it in my own explorations with people you know through their dreams and through the doors that open from their dreams that as long as you follow that um that guiding principle do no harm then you can feel safe going about this work even if you don't know what you're doing and where you're going at the time yeah that way you can trust the message trust the message yeah thank you wendy um and by the way conscious living is on empower radio 
Um, and you are also, you can be found on Audio Boom. I subscribe to you on Google Podcasts. Uh, Wendy's Coffee House was the term that I searched for. And it, you know, now when you have a new episode out, it feeds right in um, to my uh, Google Podcasts. Um, and then, uh, conscious living was another way that I found you. I popped that in as a search term and, you know, so I was automatically able to get the feed. Um, I discovered all those archived, uh, editions of the show and it's given me a lot of, uh, great material. I like to uh, listen to it as I'm going to sleep and powering down at the end of the day. And it's my transition into the dream world. I'm listening to you and your guests. And the next thing I know I'm, I'm asleep and dreaming. And it's like my transition into that state. And it's a real nice way to go from the busy, busy, you know, happenings of, of waking life and into the, uh, well, sometimes busy, busy happenings of dream life too. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for being that voice, Wendy. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's really nice to hear that. I appreciate it. Wendy's dreams and path towards her purpose remind us that we don't need to know the particulars of how to get there, to get there. Our book of life will remain hidden to us above that cloud. But when we are given the push, like she was, or maybe we feel that longing for something greater and deeper that erupts inside of our hearts that we can't look away at anymore, if we can just follow that feeling, if we can listen to our intuition and honor it, even when it's pointing us in the direction of that thing that we have always feared, but know it's where we need to go. If we go there, then we unknowingly find our way just as well. And with all of the life experience we needed to be ready once we got there. One of my favorite quotes of all time is, God doesn't call the initiated. God initiates the called. When they would say, follow your dreams, it was supposed to be implied literally. Always listen to your dreams, follow their wisdom, and you will find the life of your dreams. Godspeed. The Dreams That Shape Us podcast is created and co-hosted by J.M. DeBoer and me, Steve Erninwai. Recording and editing is shared by the both of us. And all the original music that you heard throughout this episode was written and performed by me, Steve Erninwai, a.k.a. AQ The Dreamwalker. And if you vibe with the hunk of burning love and my partner in the dream, J.M. DeBoer, I encourage you to check out his body of work through his website, J.M. DeBoard. That's J-M-D-E-B-O-R-D.com. There you can find links to his three amazing books, dreamschool.net and his other various social media profiles. And join him at Reddit. He's Rad Owl. He's the one of the moderators at r slash dreams. 
and I'm getting really excited. My new album is only three songs away from being completely recorded. So hopefully within the next month, I'll have everything fully edited and mastered and ready for you to hear. The album has almost 20 songs on it and a good 16, if not 17 of them have been directly inspired by my dreams. So stay on the lookout for that. Super pumped about it. Thank you so much. And you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube under AQ The Dreamwalker for more intimate information on my creative process and my dreaming life and everything else that I got going on. Thank you. I appreciate it. To dive into the fascinating and highly bizarre, I say that kindly, world of Wendy Garrett, go to wendyscoffeehouse.com or find her amazing and mind-blowing podcast under Wendy's Coffee House on all of the major streaming services where you listen to podcasts. Just a quick stroll through her large catalog of episodes validates everything I said about how perfect the men in black really are for her. <laughs> it's amazing. I hope you check it out. All of the links will be in the show notes. And as always, if you love what we're doing, sharing is caring, man. It helps us to obliterate the Western myth that dreams mean nothing and inspires more people to take their dreams more seriously. So any help you can give us is greatly appreciated. If you can rate us on Apple Podcasts and leave a review wherever you are, we would so deeply appreciate that so we can get this word out to even more people. So thank you to everyone out there listening and a deep and handsome thanks to Wendy Garrett for sharing her incredible story with us all. We love you. Thank you so much. On behalf of JM, the board and myself, nighty night. <laughs>